This morning we have a special Sunday because we're asking, as we do once a year, our shepherds will be presenting sort of a state of the congregation report on where things are, where we are as a congregation, where we're headed, where they believe we should be uh, heading toward, what the points on the horizon are. It's always good to hear from our shepherds in that regard. So this message, uh, while it is kind of connected to our One Another series, it is just a little bit different. When you think about it, one of the most beautiful things that we can experience is something simple. Simple is beautiful. Uh, Simple is godly. Human beings tend to make things complicated, but God makes things simple. You think about, I was just thinking as part of the Lord's Supper, how he took a common, simple meal, and a very basic one in terms of what we would call a meal. And from that, every week reminds of something that's very powerful. Isn't that beautiful? Well, that's godly. He takes simple things and uses those simple things to teach powerful lessons. When we think about how Jesus taught He used parables and illustrations that were simple. They were were things that everyone understood. Uh, They were visuals that people could relate to. But he used those simple parables and visuals to teach them powerful spiritual truths. It was simple. And simple is what God does. And simple is sometimes the best way to... For God to communicate to us and for us to understand, near best as we can, God's perfect will. The Word really is pretty simple. Oh, I I know some people really try to make it complicated. But for the most part, what you need to know from the Word of God is very clear, very straightforward. It's human beings that try to make it complicated. Well, today as we think about what our our shepherds are going to share, and what I understand they're going to be sharing, uh, I think it goes right along with that. It's very simple. And that's something that God would want us to do. So as we think today, I want to encourage you to keep things simple in 2022. I'd like you to turn to the book of Acts. book of Acts is the story of the early church, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of Uh, the early missionaries, the Acts of the first Christians. In the beginning of the book of Acts, we have the stage that is set. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, then he ascends, he leaves them, and they choose a new apostle, and then they are in Jerusalem when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes, and clearly... It was something of God, because everyone could hear uh, in their own language. And then Peter gives a very simple sermon. It's powerful. It's convicting. It's godly. And you know that it's simple because the people respond in such a way, not because of what Peter said, because of the words were divinely inspired. Luke says that they were cut to the heart. And said, what shall we do? And they 
Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Christ Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's simple. But the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone from whom the Lord our God calls to himself. It's simple. It wasn't just a promise for them. It's a promise for us. With many other words, he bore witness, continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41, so those who, were, who received his word were baptized, and there were that day added about 3,000 souls. So we have this picture of a simple message with a powerful truth and people responding in a simple way. This is the first picture we really get of the Lord's church. Now, over 20 centuries, the Lord's church has taken on different context. It's taken place among different peoples. It's been in every tribe, every tongue, every language. But the basic, fundamental core, the simple, basic truth of the gospel and the the church and the Lord's people, uh, that same picture that we see in Acts 2, 41 through 47, has been repeated down through history. Someone, uh, a minister who had decades of experience, once told me, he said, now Toby, in ministry, you're going to do a lot of things. Some things you're prepared for and, and several things you're not prepared for. So writing a job description for a minister is a little challenging. But he said, if you had to break it down, all the things that you'll do and all the things you're prepared to do and all the things you might do, it really comes down to two simple things, and it's this. Love God's word and love God's people. That's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. That's not always easy, but that's the simple, basic, two-pronged approach of what ministry is all about. Well, as we look at this picture of the church, we see some very similar things. We see first that this church was devoted to the word. Let's, let's continue reading verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They voted, devoted themselves. Now, of course, they didn't have Bibles. I can tell you this morning, you know, turn to Acts chapter 2 or turn to page 1168. They didn't have that. Okay? They would have had the Old Testament scriptures, but they were devoted to what the apostles taught. And that's what the church does today. We, we are devoted to what... The New Testament teaches what Jesus taught, what the apostles taught. If it's in there, that's that's what we want to do. That's very simple. Some people say, well, what what about this creed? What about that catechism? What about this? Well, (laughs) we're a simple church. We stick to what the Word. We're, We're devoted like they were to what the Word teaches. That's why we have things like Bible classes and why we have the sermon and why we have small groups that are centered on the Word. Because we want people to know what the Bible says and do what the Bible says. There's a reason for that. Uh, if you're following along in the scripture, turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. There's, there's been lots of books written and there's been lots of words spoken. But God's word is unique in its power. Hebrews chapter 4, the writer is, uh, really the theme of the book is better He's saying to 
first century Christians who had come out of Judaism, you're stepping into a better covenant. And he says this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. When I read the Word of God, when you hear Gary Brown teach the Word of God, when you hear Steve Tandy teach the Word of God, we are dispensing it, but the power really is from the the Word. It's the Word that's a two-edged sword. And so some some people say, well, how, how did Toby possibly know that I was struggling with that. Uh, Toby didn't know. It, it's the word. It's cutting to the heart. It's, you know, that's what a simple church does is devote, be devoted to the word because it's the word that does the work. It's the word that does the cutting. Some people will say, oh, you really stepped on my toes this morning. Well, I, that really was not what I set out to do. But when you open the word and you read it, and you hear it, it should cut you. It should step on your toes, or, or maybe more precisely, it should step on your heart. That's what God's Word does. It's powerful. It's effective. It's all-sufficient. Paul wrote to Timothy, young evangelist. He said, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And, and he said, you know, and he calls us back to how just like the word, the world, was formed by God's word, so it is with these words, they're just as powerful. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I remember when I was in college, my great aunt Donna would write me letters, which back then was a big deal. Email was not uh, as widely used. We didn't know what text messaging was in those days. But I still have those letters in my archives. The thing about Aunt Donna was uh, she was so good at this. She would she would intersperse in her letters scripture pertaining to whatever she was writing about. She was letting the Word do the instructing. That's very powerful. Her, I, I still remember that. She, she, as a faithful Christian lady, pointed me back to the Word, which was always what we should point ourselves back to. It's all-sufficient. It's all-powerful. It's what enlightens us. Um, Psalm 119 is a whole chapter about the Word of God. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter. But there's one verse that's right in there that you know very well. Psalm 119, verse 105. And it says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word illuminates. The the word, if you think about someone in an age before electricity who'd be walking at night, carrying a lamp, that lamp would do two things. It would, it would show where, you, where the path you were on was headed and also where you were going. If you were on the path, your, your word is a lamp to my feet, 
shows me where I am and a light to my path. It shows which path I'm on. Well, the, the, the word is that same way. When, when you hear the word of God, it illuminates not just where you are, but where you're going. And so we need the word. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes to the church at Colossae these words. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May the word of Christ dwell richly in us. And that doesn't just mean during the sermon times. If you pay attention, if you're listening to the psalms that we sing, the hymns that we sing, that should be a part of worship. Hymns are designed to teach us. Songs are a great way of embedding spiritual truths in our head. And so as we sing those things, we are being devoted to the Word. So may the Word dwell richly within us. That's not just may the Word dwell richly within the preacher, but may it dwell richly within all of us. May we love the Word of God. There's a simple tool that Northside has this year. We have a, uh, this tool every year. This, this one's particularly good. It's the Bible reading calendar. I'm not even sure if there's any left out there. But this is a very good tool. And I've been in the chronological Bible reading plan for years. I'll tell you what I like about this one that's different from the chronological Bible. In this one, you get some of Genesis, some of Psalms, some of Proverbs, and some of, well, right now we're in Matthew. And so you, you get pieces, and it's very interesting to see how the Word of God fits together and overlays. A chronological Bible, it takes you to like October until you get to the New Testament, okay? There's nothing wrong with that, but this is a great tool. It's a wonderful tool for families. If you want your children to love the Word of God, they should see you loving the Word of God. It's a great tool. I hope you'll use it. I hope you are using it. If you're not using it, I don't tell you that to feel guilty. Just... You know, grab one of these on your way out and say, you know, today, January 23rd, is a great day to start, to get in the Word. Because it's powerful. It's a two-edged sword. It illuminates where we are, and it illuminates where we are going. So let's be devoted to the Word. Second, let's be devoted to the fellowship. Uh, Christianity is to be a shared fellowship. The Word in the New Testament, the original language, is koinonia. Um, the, the visual that Paul gives is so beautiful in 1 Corinthians 12 is a body. And so the body works together. All of the parts work together. When I open my Bible, there's lots of parts that work together to make that happen. It's not just my fingers. It's my eyes seeing where I am. It's my brain telling all the other parts what to, to do. It's my elbow moving my, my hand appropriately. It's all the parts working together. Fellowship is that idea, all the parts working together. God said it's not good for man to be alone. This is something we are struggling with in our age. And, and I, you know, we, we provide online streaming, all of that. We, we want to uh, provide those things. We believe it's a good tool. But one aspect that it misses is that body fellowship, that koinonia, 
the, the moment after the final amen when you're intermingling and talking to people and catching up on life. The moment when you go out to dinner or invite someone over to your house. That's that devotion to fellowship. The early church was devoted. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, Paul writes this. He says, just as the body is one and has many members, all the members are of the body, though many are one body. So it is with Christ. We've got old and young, male and female, black and white, rich and poor, all of these different parts, different experiences, different life stories, but we're together. We're as one in Christ. And so may we be devoted to fellowship. Uh, As many of you know, uh, COVID went through our household last week, and so I'm I'm fine. I've got that. I can positively say I'm negative. Um, But Joe Holmes did the communion talk last week, and he said something that dawned on me that really, um, it really impacted me. He said the the way that we partake of communion today is different, right? We're not passing the trays, and some people miss that. But he said, one thing that is different is that we can all partake together at the same time. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, I used to sit on the, you know, mostly front, front or first or second row, and I would partake, and I would watch other people partake. But in this way, someone leads a prayer, and then then I partake, and we all partake together. And that particular Sunday, uh, I, I couldn't be here in person, so I was watching online. But but as you partook, I partook, and I thought that that's really powerful, uh, a fellowship to think that even though we're separated, we can be together, we can partake at the same time. Um, I think a lot of what we do in worship is designed to bring us together in that way. There's always opportunities for deeper fellowship. My question is, do you take them? Uh, Northside has a lot of programs and ministries and opportunities, formal, informal, official, and unofficial. Do you partake of those opportunities? For example, today, when we finish up after the final amen, will you make a beeline for the exit door? Or will you take just 5, 10, 15 minutes and linger? And choose to enjoy fellowship. I tell you today, I'm doing that. <laughs> because I'm, I missed so much having that fellowship opportunity last Sunday. It's so much sweeter when you realize the blessing that it is. And, and I would encourage you to take advantage of that as well. This week, when you, when you see a prayer request come up on the prayer tree, or you see something in the bulletin, or you hear that someone's fallen ill... Will you you look as an opportunity for fellowship? Will you um, maybe call someone if they're able to talk on the phone or send them a message, a text message or a Facebook messenger? Will you take the opportunity to notice someone? Will, Will you send them a card? These are opportunities to be devoted to fellowship. What about the rest of today? Did you did you come to Bible class? Will you be a part of a small group? Uh, will you choose to join us for Sunday night study here tonight? These are opportunities for fellowship. But fellowship, as with so many blessings, 
God, God gives us the blessing. It's up to us entirely whether or not we will partake of it. We have many opportunities to do that. One simple example that's a really great one. There were some ladies thinking about wanting to do get us back together where we were partaking of a meal. We used to call it Wednesday night meals. So we should do something. Somebody should do something. Instead of just pointing fingers and say, you know, the elders ought to, we ought to, whatever. They just took responsibility. And they say, you know what? We can make something happen. We'll, we'll call it, you know, family fellowship. And Franny and Lori and Jamie and Jennifer cooked up a plan and said, we're going to make it happen. We don't know how it's going to look. We don't know who will show up. But we're devoted to fellowship. We, we believe that's important. Oh, I love that. And so, the beginning of January, we had our first one, and it was great. You know, it was, it was good to sit across the table from people and catch up and talk with them and see families and little kids. Those, those are great things. And that's because of those four ladies' devotion to fellowship. And so, may we, may we follow that example. Next week, you're going to hear from Jonathan Hannigan. There is a guy who is devoted to fellowship. He is great at it. You have an opportunity to fellowship with your classes and talk with Jonathan and learn from him. But again, the question is, will you take advantage of the the opportunity? Will you be as devoted to, to fellowship as the early church was? So may we be devoted to fellowship as they were. They, uh, verse 42 following, says they were devoted to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And finally, we see that they were devoted to the sharing of faith. And this is in verse 47. It says, praising God. I won't skip past They were selling their possession. They were belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were committed fully with even their possessions. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. And they received food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. I really like this because it says the Lord added. Who, who added to the, to the saved? It, it was the Lord. It was, he was doing that. And that's such a big relief. Sometimes we think when we think about sharing our faith, evangelism, and things like that, we think it all comes down to me. But if we'll be faithful, God will bring us the, the people that are seeking him. And so we understand that he's savior, we're not. We don't have to save anybody. And if you try, (laughs) you've missed the point of what the gospel is all about. So we point to the Savior, who's not us. We point people to him. If you want to follow me to 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes these words. 1 Peter 3.15, page 1297. But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, and yet do this with gentleness and respect. 
A question. Thinking back over this last week, did, did anyone hear the reason for the hope that you have? Did they see your devotion to the Lord and to the Lord's body? Did they see the difference that He makes in your heart and in your life? And if you can look back and maybe you regret, maybe I, I had an opportunity to share, but I didn't. Or I had an opportunity to point others to Him and I didn't take that. That's okay. We've got a week coming up in front of us. So may we, may we always be diligent to share the reason for the hope that we have and to do that with gentleness and respect. You see, sharing your faith isn't really a program. It's just what God's people are designed to do. I'll give you a simple one. We've mentioned it before, but a simple one is our bracelets um, that has a simple three-word question, and it's this, are you ready? And you can grab one of those on the way out today, and it just, it just offers a question for your waitress to see, are you ready? Ready for what? For, for your family member, a father, a brother, or sister who's not yet a Christian. Are you ready? Ready for what? You see, it's an invitation to a conversation about the reason for the hope that you have. And so may we, like they were, be devoted to the Word. May we be devoted to one another. May we be devoted to sharing the faith, the hope that we have in Christ. Yeah, that's pretty simple. Simple is beautiful. Christianity is simple. And it's not always easy, but it's simple. And so, may we follow their example and keep things simple. May we be devoted to the Word. May we be devoted to the fellowship with God's people. And may we be devoted to sharing the hope that we have with others. This morning, if you have a, a spiritual need and you need to respond in a public way, we'll have our shepherds at the back. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. It is amazing. And as we sing that, we're going to stand, and if you have a spiritual need, like our elders, to pray with you, you need to respond to put on Christ as they did in the first century. You'd like to be baptized? Wonderful. We'll be glad to help you with that. Whatever your need might be, if it's a public one, uh, please head to the back and see one of our shepherds as together we stand and sing.